I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end in sight. The crown of life, the crown of victory I shall wear. I sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. I fight with all my might to keep on living for the Christ. I know there is a glorious end inside. Sing the song of triumph till I'm there. I run for the crown, I race for the prize, I press toward the upward call of God. Your word I must harden my heart in my heart. Your word I must harden my heart in my heart. Your word I must Gives me joy in my joy in my heart. Your word gives me joy in my heart. Your word gives me peace in my heart. Your word gives me peace in my heart. Your word gives me peace in my heart. Your word gives me hope. Interactive Bible Stories for Toddlers God created the world and people. Genesis 1 and 2 In the beginning there was only God. He created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Then God created man and woman in his own image, and God saw that his creation was good. By the way, there's also some questions and answers and things to, to talk about, and if we keep flipping through this book, we see that there's all these different types of story. The next one is on Noah, and then you've got Abraham, and, and so many of these other ones that we know from the Bible. Now, now we have Moses after, after Abraham right there. A book like this can be very useful. In fact, I took this from you know our own personal library at home, and this is something that, that we have used with our own kids. And this is great. These are wonderful things. And by the way, just kind of on a little bit of a side note, if you like this and are maybe kind of interested in this, I'll try to include some information in uh, the video description below if you want to uh, get your own copy of this. This is something that I, I do like. I think it's great. 
I think it's wonderful to set a foundation for kids to learn about these Bible stories and then to build on them. However, if you are an adult and your Bible study just consists of reading books like this, or maybe a little bit more than this, if that's as far as you go, I would encourage you to go farther. In fact, I would tell you, you haven't gone far enough. We need to be people who don't just stay with, with some retelling of the Bible, but we need to be people who will actually go into the Bible, read the text for ourselves, and be able to see what God is actually speaking through those texts. And on that note, I want us to look at spiritual maturity from the book of Hebrews. And in this video, we're going to pretty much cover just about anybody that there is in their different spiritual journeys that they might encounter. So if you don't seem to be relating to it at first, to just hang on because we'll come across kind of your own situation at some point or another. So let's open up God's word together and take a look at it. In Hebrews chapter 5 is actually where we're going to begin. Now this is the last few verses from chapter 5 leading into chapter 6. Hebrews 5 verses 12 through 14. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, let's make sure that we recognize who he is talking about right here, okay? He's not talking about somebody who has just become a Christian, okay? If that describes you, hold on just a moment because you're in the next little group, the next slide, if you will, and we'll cover uh, that section about the foundational teachings. And that is such an important point to be there. And I'll also go ahead and point out, it's not just young people who are at that stage because sometimes people, not trying to be funny about this, but sometimes People don't really know these things until they're older in, you know, years or, you know, be, uh, before they've even become an adult. They, they haven't had a foundation. So if that describes you, then you need to learn that foundation. However, he's talking about a different group of people. He's actually talking about a group of people that I think describes several people who will be watching this video. People who have been a Christian for some time and who should know quite a bit of things about just how Christianity works, how the Bible works. And what he is saying here to his audience is he's kind of getting on to them. He's saying, do better. You need to do better. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but instead people have to still be teaching you. Now, of course, there comes a time and a place for each one of us to be either the teacher or the, the student. And that's not so much what he's talking about. He's also not talking about how you have to sign up, you know, this, this Sunday, you have to sign up and, and become a Bible class teacher. That's not the only type of teaching that people can do. However, if you are somebody who does know the truth about the gospel message, and you're not sharing that with somebody else, if you're not teaching that to somebody else, then I would say you in all too well, actually, fit this category of who he's describing. Because if you have been a Christian for some time, you need to be able to, to do better, to mature. 
You need to be somebody who has learned these things. And he's got two different ways of kind of saying it. In verse 13, he talks about um, this teaching about righteousness. But then in verse 14, he's saying uh, that they have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Okay, is, is that you? Have you been um, spiritually matured enough to where you've, you've recognized the difference between good and evil and about the, the need for those things and about following God? If that describes you, if you've been a Christian for a while, then... Perhaps it's time to be teaching other people so that they can grow too. That doesn't mean you have to teach them everything. Just teach them something. And you might think that you don't know a whole lot about it. And, you know, that, that's one thing that a lot of times people say as to why they're, they're not teaching other people is because they say, well, I don't know enough. But you do know something. Even if you don't know a whole lot, which I think is usually kind of a, an understatement for people. I think people usually know quite a bit more than what they give themselves credit for. But if you don't think you know a whole lot, well, are you sharing the things that you have that you do know? Because I'm sure you know something if you've been a Christian and if you've been maturing as you should. He starts off with this call to do better. And then he goes on and he kind of describes uh, the type of teaching that they were still needing in the next chapter. In Hebrews chapter 6, the first three verses start off like this. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Okay, so <clears throat> I guess you will say that... Uh, uh, God is permitting for us to do so right here, right now. We're Because we're going to just spend a little bit of time because this slide, this section, these, these three verses that begin Hebrews chapter 6 are all talking about these. It's described as elementary teachings, um, but what it's also really talking about and what I really like is how it says, uh, not laying again the foundation. Okay, these are foundational teachings. If you are at a stage in your life that you need these foundational teachings, then don't be concerned about how you might still have questions about some of these things. In fact, as you're looking at this list, you might be like, well, what is he talking about right here? And, and I think that some of you maybe who uh, have been Christians for some time, you might be looking at some of these things and thinking, well, well what does that have to do with? I think we kind of use different terms for maybe some of these same things. But I think that if you have been a Christian for a while, you know what he's describing right here. And we're going to briefly work our way through each one of these, actually six things that he describes. Now, he describes these as this foundation for Christianity. So what is this foundation? If you're a new Christian, what do you really need to, to grasp in some ways? Now, this is in no way supposed to just tell you everything that you need to know. And you're not instantly going to be moved forward into maturity after this lesson. But perhaps this lesson can help you with some of these foundational things and, and where to continue on from here. So these foundational things that he describes, the first foundational teaching is this repentance from acts that lead to death. Now, I believe the simplest way of, of thinking about this and looking at this is he is simply talking about repentance. Because if we repent from uh, sin, if we repent from sinful things, then those are most certainly acts that lead to death. We know that the wages of sin our death. And right here, I believe he's telling us that, look, part of the foundation is you repent from those things. If you're going to follow Christ, you can no longer have anything to do with those sinful things. That can't be your foundation of everything in your life any longer. You've got to have a new foundation, this foundation of repentance, of changing that. 
and repentance. It, uh, it also means this change of mind that leads to a change of action. And that's what we see whenever we see somebody who has truly repented. The second thing that he describes right here is a faith in God. Now, a few chapters later in the book of Hebrews, uh, the Hebrew writer is going to say that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, faith is something that is described almost from page one of the Bible to the very end of the Bible. But the importance of it and the way that it reveals itself, the, the faith of people, the way that faith in God reveals itself through people's lives might be different depending on whose story you're reading. And it might even be different in, into whose story you're listening to in, in modern day Christians. But that faith still needs to be there, that faith in God, uh, that that assurance, that uh, fully leaning upon uh, God um, all the time in everything that we do. That is a foundational teaching to Christianity. Verse 2. Now, it starts off talking about these instructions about cleansing rites. I think that's kind of a confusing thing. And, and really, I think they made this a little bit more uh, confusing in this translation than what it needed to be. Because when you look at kind of uh, originally the, the languages that's described right here is it has to do with these baptisms. And I know that baptisms is more than one, which that can be a little confusing. We're thinking, okay, well, what's going on right here? Whenever he is speaking about baptisms, um, there are more than one baptism. There is more than one baptism uh, described in the pages of the Bible. We actually see that kind of uh, purification and cleansings and all, those take place in the Old Testament. And as we turn to the page in the New Testament, we see that John the Baptist comes with a baptism, doesn't he? And then Jesus comes with a baptism. Now, some of the things are similar. Some of the things might even be exactly the same in those baptisms, but yet there are differences. The baptism of John was one that was preparing the way for Jesus. The baptism that is now done, we might call it the Christian baptism, is done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is done for the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's mentioned in the scriptures, uh, for example, like in the book of Romans chapter 6. It's described as kind of uh, putting to death our old life and being buried with Christ in baptism and then raising up to walk in the newness of life. We see that being described right there. That is a foundational teaching to Christianity, that newness of life that Christ brings. Now, the next thing that is described here as a foundational teaching in verse two is the laying on of hands. Once again, it's one of these things that uh, I don't know that we really kind of use this language as much. Now, there are some circles of, of Christians who, you know, they are familiar with laying on of the hands. And we might also kind of recognize that perhaps if somebody is sick, we, we might have a special uh, prayer meeting and we might actually, you know, quite physically lay hands on that person. That might be something that you have seen before. But then again, it might not be. And there's different types of, of ways and reasons as to why laying on of the hands uh, took place. Sometimes it was because someone was sick. Sometimes, though, it was also kind of sending out missionaries. That's something that we read in the pages of the book of Acts. And in Acts, several times people will lay their hands upon Paul or some of the other apostles that are sent out. They will lay their hands on them and kind of pray uh, with them and, and for them and kind of pronounce a bit of a blessing and, and all. It's kind of, kind of combined. It's basically saying that you are having something to do, some type of connection, uh, kind of a similar way, uh, though not the only way that we can do it today, but a similar uh, thing as to laying out of hands today would be like if you are financially supporting a missionary, you know, and you say, well, I, I believe in what you're doing and I want to see great things come from this. 
whenever you do that, you're kind of in, investing in their ministry, so to speak. You, you are providing them with funds to be able to do the, the necessary things. That's similar to laying on of hands and kind of sending them off and, and giving them, you know, um, kind of hoping and helping them uh, do the best that they possibly can uh, in following God and, and sharing the gospel message with others. Another foundation right here is this laying on of the hands. Uh, finally, the last two are going to be probably some of the more uh, most familiar ones with us. Uh, the resurrection of the dead. Now, this, I do believe, is talking about Jesus raising from the dead, but more than that, also our own resurrection from the dead. See, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we can also have hope that we too are going to be raised from the dead. And this final part of that is a foundational teaching is the eternal judgment. There might be different times throughout history that God has come down and he has kind of pronounced different judgments upon people. We see that in the crossing of the Red Sea. That was a type of judgment on the nation of Egypt, wasn't it? But yet, that wasn't the final judgment. Not really. We know that there will be a final judgment. And on that day, everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God and will give an, accounting, uh, will give an account for the things that they have done. Uh, that is what this eternal judgment is about. So these foundational teachings, repentance, faith, these uh, baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. If that's where you're at, and those are the types of things that you need to be learning, then be spending time learning about those things. And, and uh, learning uh, for yourself, discovering these things uh, for yourself, what they mean. So that the faith that you have in God is not just you know the faith of, of your parents, or the faith of, of someone who taught you, but it is your own faith that you are able to, to lay firm in that and to be able to take ownership of your own faith. So this is another section. We've seen that uh, he says uh, to some people they need to do better. To these people, look, there's foundational teachings that need to take place. He goes on in the next section is actually a warning. This is a warning about people who, well, they've fallen away, as verse 6 says. In Hebrews chapter 6, this is really a very sobering thought, I believe, that we read this, um, listen to what God is truly saying in verses four through eight. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. This passage right here. Yes, it is a very sobering thought. It's one that does need to open up our eyes and we need to, to see what is being described right here. Now, he makes this statement that it's impossible for those people who have experienced all this, these people who have truly become Christians and then they fall away. It's impossible for those people to be brought back to repentance. Why is that? Well, it is, is verse six, because they are crucifying Jesus all over again. They're also subjecting him to this public disgrace because they were following him. And then for whatever reason, they gave that up. That's a horrible state to be in. This is a warning. But yet, 
I also want you to recognize, even though he says that that is impossible for them to be brought back to repentance and all, I want you to understand that God is not unjust. In fact, he's about to say that right here in, in the text. He's going to call to mind and remind us that God is not unjust. But this does describe some people because some people have fallen away for one reason or another. And to that person who has truly become a Christian and truly integrated within the body of Christ and found out what Christ is all about, and then if that person falls away, what hope is there? Now we look at verses 9 through 12. We do see a little bit of that hope. Now, after stating all of that about the people who it's impossible for them to, to come back to repentance because of just the hardening of the hearts that has taken place right there, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, this is what we read. And listen to this. He's speaking back to his audience again. And he says, Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and, patient, and patience inherit what, was, what has been promised. So now here at the, the last few verses of what we're going to take a look at uh, this, uh, in this video, we see that he states those warnings and he states all these things. He says, look, we are convinced of better things in your case things that have to do with salvation. He makes a statement in verse 10 that God is not unjust. So as we read like what we did before about how it's impossible for them to be brought to repentance, look, God is not unjust. He's gonna recognize that if somebody truly does repent and if somebody truly does return to him, then yes, he will show mercy. He will show grace to those people. But the language that is being used is to show the, the severity of the situation. And this language is to get them to realize that Yes, he is convinced of great things among these people, things that are pertaining to salvation. And I believe that uh, probably for most people who are going to be watching this video, I think this can be stated about you all too. Yes, it's important to hear those warnings as what we have looked at. But ultimately, I think that we can, we can have this assurance that if we are a Christian and if we are following Christ, then we can also be convinced of better things, things that have to do with salvation that are connected with us. We also see this encouragement to continue on, to, to be able to show this diligence, as verse 11 is talking about, diligence to the very end, so that this hope can be fully realized. I mean, think about that. What do you hope for in the future with God? Well, that can be fully realized whenever we continue to walk in our faith. Let us not become lazy. Let us make sure that we continue on to, to press firm to the very end, to be able to imitate those great men and women of faith. If you want examples of those, Hebrews 11 is full of them. So is pretty much the rest of the Bible. We can imitate their faith, do the great things that they have done for God. Let's be the type of people, let's be the type of church that can encourage one another to do better, to remember that foundation and to continue to build onto that foundation so that we can all mature. Let's also warn 
people who perhaps need it and, and keep that warning in our minds and continue all the while to encourage one another to be faithful to Christ all the days of our life to the very end. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb.